Hey, good morning. I'm glad you're here today. We officially can be open uh, to hold services, so we're glad that you are here today, and uh, we welcome each and every one. Let's have a word of prayer. Fathers, we've come today. No doubt there are some burdens that are on our heart. There's always something that's going on in our life. I'm so thankful that we have a God that that covers all, kind of all the things that have happened in our life. God, you're, you're like this big blanket that can come upon anything in our life. And give us the comfort, the strength, answers to what's happened in our life. So, Father, may this day be a day of, of just um, highlighting the opportunity to come to you and communicate to you through prayer. Help us not to take prayer lightly. Prayer is a gift. And, and I don't think any of us, including myself, understand how precious and value that gift of praying to you. And so, God, would you increase our awareness, what it means to pray, what it means to talk to you. How precious this gift of prayer is to us. And we give you the praise and glory for all that you have done and will do in us and through us in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. And we're going to sing a worship song in just a moment. But in stand... In respect to God and our country, God being on top, of course, I have a video I want to show to you, and then we're going to go right into our worship at this time. So listen to this, and as you listen to the words, agree with the words as you so felt led to agree with uh, about praying for our country. Our Father in heaven, giver of all life and author of all things good, we entrust our great nation to your care. For it was you, our good shepherd, whom our founders followed. You are the creator and grantor of our cherished rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All are forged by your loving grace. Guide our leaders in the paths of righteousness and justice. May their service to our nation be honoring to you, and may their decisions reflect your will. Remind us that true happiness is found only in Christ. Protect our men and women who fight for our freedom. Bless your church to shine and drive out the darkness in our cities and remind us that your kingdom is not a red state nor a blue state. Your kingdom is not of this earth. So we plead with you, bring conviction to our hearts and revival to this land. Send your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and come dwell with your people. Today, we honor our Creator, our Lord, our Father. Thank you for your grace and blessings. And may you continue to bless our great nation. We pray to you in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. sing Mighty to Save. Everyone needs compassion, the love that's never failing, a mercy fall on me. Everyone needs of the 
know, you have given us the most precious gift besides your son who has come to this earth and uh, forgiven us of our sins and died on a cross and cleansed us from all of the unrighteousness of our lives. You've promised that in your word. <clears throat> we thank you for this amazing gift of prayer and uh, how you've given it us as, as probably the most amazing and powerful tool we have as human beings, that we can know your word and we can pray according to your will. And we, through, through, because you've given us this gift of prayer, change this world. Things can be different. People can be changed. Their lives can be changed. People who don't even know you, don't love you, don't care about you. People who hate you can be changed because of power of prayer, Father God. We thank you that you've given us this amazing gift and how we can every day just use it to, to align ourselves with your will and uh, that you give us the ability to overcome sickness and sorrow and pain and grief and everything else that bothers us because of this beautiful gift of prayer. And we, have, we thank you, Lord, that we, uh, we have it. And we pray, Lord, that uh, we would use it uh, more effectively. I, know, I just confess, Lord, that I don't pray enough, that I don't seek your will whenever, as much as I need to. And part of it, Lord, I think is part of just ignorance of your word. I pray, Lord, this morning as our pastor speaks and teaches us about prayer, that it'll penetrate our hearts and we will remember it. We will learn it and we will know it and we will use it and uh, we will be a part of your kingdom and your kingdom will come because of who we are and what we do according to your will in prayer. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. October is uh, Pastor's Appreciation Day. And, and of course, uh, today being October 11th, uh, we want to give our pastor appreciation. Thank you. Just want to thank you, Gary, for being here. Uh, pastor Gary, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone here in Somos Community Church, okay? And everyone that knows you, you go out of your way to help people. You're a blessing. We want you to know that we appreciate you. Having you as our pastor, our spiritual leader, and our shepherd of our soul, you're a blessing. You have uh, displayed a deep compassion and love for people and faith faithful and inspiration to others. And we honor you and we, we know you honor the Lord. I encourage all of you to, to pray for Gary because if you've ever walked in a pastor's shoes, they're big, they're big and they, they're hard to fill. But you can call a pastor in today and I encourage you to pray for Pastor Gary every day. We don't know the numbers of trials that you that are put before you each day. And of course, they gotta be tremendous with administrative duties, running the church, preschool, dealing with uh, this COVID, criticism, and the list just goes on and on. Gary, we pray for all of, Gary, we pray for all, Gary, you pray for all of us. And, and of course, we need your prayers. And we, and pray for, we pray for Sandy. Gary, may God continue to bless your leadership. Amen. And thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you. There's a little basket in the back there. It's got, got your name on it. All right. Okay. Well, appreciate it. Thank you. And, and we, let, we just want to say we appreciate you. Uh, thank you. I, I feel that. I appreciate that. Thank you. And I want you to know I love and appreciate you very much as well. All right. Thank you. Folks, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, Cindy and I love you, and we're so glad that we get to be a small part of your life and your journey with the Lord. And I know that when we get to heaven, we get to do a lot of reviewing how God has worked in our lives, and it's going to be an amazing thing, how, how he brought us together. And you see, there are backstories behind each of us, aren't there? Those backstories are going to be revealed and it's going to be a wonderful day where we get to see what God has done in your life and how it all worked together. And so I'm thankful that you have allowed us to be your pastor. You know, you, you, took, a, you took a great risk. There's some gamblers in this church. 
But I'm so glad when we, when we trust God, there's no gamble on your part and on our part as well. I'm so glad to be here today. I'm glad that you're with us and appreciate the, the kind words and thoughts and I do covet your prayers. I want to say but before I get into the message, and if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn into the book of James chapter 5. Take out your sermon notes as well if you like to follow along. But back there is a display. As you leave today, I would like for you to look at, this is Christmas shoebox. We do this every, every year. It's been a tradition, a great tradition, wonderful tradition. If you're not familiar with that, stop back by there and see Katie or, or read some of the information there. And also to the left of that, there is a sign-up list. We're having a fall uh, um, harvest with our preschool and uh, with our, our children's, and uh, it's all going to be social distance and all that. <clears throat> it's going to be outside, and uh, but we do need some help with that. If you'd like to sign up for that, um, that's the information's back there. <clears throat> so we're in the book of James. Now, the last few weeks, I don't know how many weeks that would be. We've gone through from James chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to the end of this book. So today is the conclusion of our study through James. You say, well, what are we going to go do next? Well, we're just going to just flip a page over to the right and go into 1 Peter. How about that? Peter is a great book to complement, and it's very relevant for us today as well. So we're just going to flip the page and hear what Peter has to say and uh, he's got two books there, First Peter and Second Peter. So we're going to do that. And I'm excited about that because there's a lot of good stuff in Peter that are very uh, are linked to what we are experiencing today in our culture. And we'll, we can say more about that. So it'll be a very helpful book as we go through the book of First Peter. So if you have your Bibles, uh, I'm going to read uh, starting in verse 13. We're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter. And then we're going to back up and go through verses 13 to 18. So James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or anoint him in, with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elisha was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Verse 19 and 20, we're not going to really cover these two verses, but they're, they're great verses that James close out, but we'll go ahead and read them. It says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Basically, those two verses is talking about and when somebody, you see somebody drifting away, where to go after them? And Floyd brought a great uh, 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 lesson on this at our men's breakfast about a week, uh, a month ago. And, um, and about just going, and when you see somebody that's drifting away, that we're to go and make a connection with them and see if we can bring them back into uh, not only their relationship with uh, the church family, but also uh, to help them in their walk with God. Now, we just read the, the word prayer seven different times in this passage. If you read the Bible, and as, as Joe prayed, prayer is big to God. There are, are about 650 prayers mentioned in the Scripture. Uh, we won't have time to go through every one of them. We'll save that for another message. Out of those 650 prayers, there are 450 answered prayers. God does answer prayers. We'll say, what about the other 200? Well, we'll get to heaven. I think we're going to find there's the answered prayer, and he'll reveal those to us. 
When Jesus was here upon the earth for 33 years, he prayed 25 different prayers in his lifetime, recorded in the gospel. Now, no doubt, because he was a man of prayer, he was God manifest in the flesh, he no doubt prayed um, probably more than any person has ever prayed. He was a man of prayer. It was certainly but it was reflected, but there are recorded, written 25 prayers that we can read by Jesus Christ. So we just read seven times about prayer. And so before James closes his letter out, remember he's writing a letter, and before he closes it out, he's going to mention how important it is to, to pray. Now, we, the, the subject comes from a good source, because remember, remember folks, when we started James, we talked about James the person. And James had a nickname. Do you remember what that nickname was? He had a reputation for being a man of prayer. His, neck, his, his nickname was James the Camel Knees. Have you ever seen Camel Knees? They're not very pretty. And so when they looked at James' knees, and I don't know how they could look at that. I mean, I don't know if they wore shorts back then. I don't think they did. But anyway, James' knees look like camel knees. And the reason is because he had this, so many calluses and knots on him because he was a man who spent literally hours on his knees. He was a man of prayer. So, so you understand that James here is, is, a, is a man of prayer, is, is a, a physical um, indication that could be seen that he was a man who prayed a lot. Now, there are four different postures in how people pray in the Bible. You know, there's sitting, there's standing, there's obviously kneeling, there's a, a face-to-the-ground type of prayer. Jesus talked about prostrate, you know, on the ground praying. There's also face-to-heaven praying. There's, there's uh, times when people would lift up their hands in prayer. And, and, you know, when we talk about this praying, the the posture isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is that we do pray. And, and the location is not important because you can pray inside these walls or you can pray anywhere. Wherever you, uh, you are, as a believer, you can pray to God. And so uh, it's not the location, it's not how the posture that's important to pray. Prayer has a tremendous power. It is the greatest privilege of the Christian life that God has provided a personal hotline for us to talk to God any place, anytime, anywhere. Our prayer life is the greatest source of God's power working in us and through us. Tremendous power that is available for each of us to pray. What prayer can do is what God can do. Anything that God can do can be done through prayer. How God is working in our life is revealed in how we treat prayer. You show me a person that God's doing mighty things through, and you can show that person that's a person who has a connection with God. God is working with him and through him. The power of God is there, is evident because that person is a person of prayer. He may pray prayer, a priority. Remember when Jesus said when he was here upon the earth, the things I do, you can also do even greater works. And Jesus said, you can do greater works than me. And you say, well, how can we do greater works than Jesus? In the following verses, he talks about prayer. That we can do greater works through prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and working through us by prayer. It's one of our greatest responsibilities as a believer. And I love the authentic prayer that Joe prayed. Because we all can identify what Joe was saying. We don't pray enough. One of the greatest failures as a Christian, as a believer, and I'm looking at a mirror, is that we don't take this area of prayer serious enough. And so... We're going to talk about this. We, we find that prayerfulness 
shows our dependence on God, and prayerlessness shows our lack of dependence upon God. It's kind of prayer is a marker for us, and as always, uh, as uh, and it's demonstrated how close we are to God by by our prayer life, and it's a great marker for us where we're at with God. So James, who is well known for his prayer life, tells us how we can have a great prayer life, how we can improve our, maybe it's just we can have this morning that this is going to just put our prayer life back in tune. You know, that, that it was, you know, and it has been, as, and so put it back into place where it needs to be. So I'm going to give you three points this morning of this passage of Scripture that we just read from verses 13 to 18. And so James starts off, and he starts off with three questions, and he answers all three, three answers. He said in verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? His answer to this, he says, here, if you're suffering, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. Let him pray. If we were to look at the original language in this, it means to suffer misfortune or to be in distress. It means to have tension. It means that there's inner turmoil going on. Listen, if you have tension, if you, if you are, uh, got the, you know, uh, things that are just happening and, and you've uh, uh, got this distress that's causing uh, things that have happened, listen. And it can be external circumstances that are causing this distress and this going on. He said, here's the answer to this. I said, you just you get to a place and you get with, along with God and you start praying about that. That's God answers. Now, James knew that he was writing to a group of people that were going through some tremendous pressure, some tension, become persecuted and having things to do without and, and being away from uh, Jerusalem. And there were some very uh, significant things that were happening in the church, the Christians at that time. He said, the answer to how we respond to, to suffering is prayer. Then he goes on to say, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Come back to that in a moment. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. So when should we pray? When we are suffering emotionally or physically. That about covers it all, doesn't it? So you got something physically going on? Let's pray. You got something emotionally going on? Let's, let's say, you just bother, your heart's broken, you're, you, something is breaking and something's pressing upon you, let's pray. So the first point I want to give you this morning is, I think that James is bringing this out very clear, is make prayer a first responder. You know, it happens in a tragedy, you, you come upon an accident or something, you see a house on fire, you see something's going on, and, and you call, you know, you dial at 911, you want the first responders, and they come in there, and they're the, the ones that can do something with that situation. They've got the equipment, they've got the knowledge, they've got the, the experience, they've got the tools that, that can help with that situation, and you call them to usher, to come in and to help with this tragedy. The same thing in our lives, that we are to make prayer first, when tragedies happen, we pray and we call out to God, God, listen, I'm suffering. God, uh, uh, you're the one that can help me. One of my kids, we were coming home from church one time, and, and they were in the back seat uh, singing, and, and it happened to be my son Cody, and Cody was about three or four, uh, and he was singing this song, and his old hymn, some of you remember, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Well, his version was that the way he picked it up, count your blessings, dial 911. <laughs> well, we had to tell him, Cody, it's not 911, it's one by one. And then he got that. In prayer and suffering, when we get stress and tense moment, what's the first thing you do? Well, James says, listen. We need to turn and look up to God. God, help me. A situation at work, something in a relationship, you know, whatever it might be, we turn to God first. He's our, to be our first responder. Let me pull out of this verse for just a, few, a moment and look at the whole context of the book of James. This is the last 
message we'll be bringing on the book of James. The book of James is all about growing closer with God. So when we go through the book of James, and you've noticed that as we've gone through the book of James, that is that it's about, um, it's about doing stuff and not doing stuff. And it seems like the book of James is a book of rules. You know? Uh, don't speak right away. You know? you know, those type of things. And, and so he tells in, and so we're going through this passage and we're talking about things, I mean, the book of James, and it seems like everything that is about rules. But my friend, it's deeper than this. James is wanting to say, these things, we want you to do these things because these things are things that will cause us to be drawn close to God. We could actually title the book of James, The Rules for Health Relationships, and it would be true, not only be with God, but with each other. God already knows what's going on, and he created us for, with prayer, with the, with the idea that we can pray to him, and we can praise to him with whatever's going on, that we can come to him and walk with him. It is about the intimacy that he wants to have with us, and we build this dependence upon God. As we know that he knows this is best for us. Making prayer a first response when we suffer and making praise to God a first response when we experience joy. Whether it is our happiest day in the world, you know, in our whole life, or it's the worst day of our life. Our first response, we turn to God. We praise him or pray. We praise him or pray. I think this is true when we have God as our first love, you know, that we just always want to have our love and the ones closest to experience the things that we're experiencing. God is that way, and we should be with God. God, you know, have you seen that sunset? Oh, God, did you know what's happening in my life? Have you heard? And we say this because we have this relationship that is love between us and the Lord. So uh, there's something else I want to say about this. As we talk about this, you know, going praise and prayer, praise and prayer. Is the beauty about this is about belonging to a church family. So it's today, I no doubt there were some people that walked in today. And you're going through a difficult time. I know that. Yet at the same time, there are those who are coming in praising God and whistling or singing and joy and, and yet they're, they're on the mountaintop and then some of us are going through the valley at the same time. And the beautiful part about the local church, the, the church that God has brought us together is that, that we get to encourage one another but sometimes we're in the valley and we get to, be, we, we get to receive the encouragement. That's the beautiful part. God has made us not only dependence upon him, but dependence upon each other as we go through uh, this life. We need each other. And I appreciate the encouragement that was said by Ed, by reflecting upon your thoughts as, a, as, a, as your pastor. And I do need you. I, you know, there are some difficult times, things I can go through. And at the same time, I know that you need me as well. And that's the beautiful part about walking in, in relationship, not only with God, but in a church body as we, as we do life together. And truly, life is like an up and down. You know, it's a roller coaster. Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're down. But, but that is what helps us, you know, uh, uh, coming together. So you want to improve your prayer life, make prayer important? You say, I'm going to be, have my prayer as a, as a first responder. First thing, something happens, an event, I'm going to either pray or praise. And you know, we can always uh, walk in a constant praise and prayer. Isn't that true? Because we're always going through something. Well, you know, there's some good things, there's some bad things, you know. Sometimes we have to have dental work, you know. You know, Joe had his jaw surgically, you know, part of it was wreathed on, and that's difficult, and I, I just, oh, I've been there, uh, probably not to extend it his, but my goodness, 
but we can pray and praise always together. It's kind of like the PPP. You know what that is? It's the person praying and praising. (laughs) This is what God gives. This is what James is telling us. All right, let me give you number two. Prayer is to be initiated by the person in need of prayer. You see this? As we read in this scripture, in verse 13, is there any among, um, uh, excuse me, uh, is there any among, among you that's suffering? He says, let him pray. And if there's anyone that prays, you let him sing praise. Can you see the burden that, that is going forth that's been put on the person in need that is to reach out and to pray? And even when the person is sick, the burden is upon that individual to take the initiative. Prayer is to be initiated by the person in need of prayer. You know, sometimes people will, uh, you know, they'll call, you know, and, and, and uh, say, how come you didn't pray for me? You know, or how come, you know, you knew, you knew I was in the hospital. And I say, well, I didn't know you were in the hospital. I would have prayed for you. But if I didn't know, it's always the burden, as James is saying here, it's put on the person who has the need to humbly, and I think there's a humility process going on, that we humbly admit, God, you know, I need your prayers. I need your help. Would you pray? And, uh, and, and then also is that, uh, is always to be that first initiative, that first response is to be prayer by the individual that's need. The burden for help is the one who needs to help to pray. For God to help us with our needs, he wants us to ask first, why? This is where our, our heart is revealed with God. You know, God does not need our prayers, but he's commanded us a prayer, prayer for our benefit can pers- so we can personally be part of God's glorious purpose. This doesn't mean sometimes he'll change his ordained plans. His will will be done. Sometimes in the prayer, what we're praying for, God will change our prayer to fit his will. And Jesus in the garden said, it is not my will be done, but God, your will be done. And through our personal prayer, God marries our prayers and his plans to accomplish his purpose. Our prayers can become one with God's plan through our prayers the nature of God to help the weak, the vulnerable, the helpless every time. You and I, are, we're on the road to hell because of our sin. But God just didn't leave us there. Jesus Christ steps in front of us and there on the cross and says, I am the way to escape judgment and condemnation of breaking God's law. And he says, will you believe in me? Will you, get, will you receive that gift of mercy and grace? Will you receive forgiveness? And then we pray to God, asking him to save us from the judgment of our sins. And he will cover our sins with his blood and make our sins white as snow. And he will do that every time. He will do that every time. Do you realize that when we pray, and we are praying in the will of God, we're praying in the right spirit. Do you realize that every time that we pray, in connection with God, that God answers our prayers each and every time? So when, so what do we do when we're suffering? We're going to pray, and God's going to help us with that suffering. What do we do when we're cheerful? We're going to sing praises, and we're getting glory to God. What do we do when we have serious health issues? We're going to call for the elders to pray. The point is made, we take it all to God through prayer. We take it all. Now notice there are some special instructions when one is seriously sick. So let's look at this. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray for him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. So you see the steps that are mentioned here. There are four steps here if you want to write these down. First of all, there's call for the elders. Uh, and... Uh, and, and, and no doubt, as you look through the Scripture in the New Testament, when you find the word church, it is primarily, overwhelmingly talking about the local church. So, so when, you're, when you're sick, you call for the elders, you call for, for that, uh, those men to come and pray for you. 
You know I'm the church family. And then let them pray over the sick person. Anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. So let's go back through these points here. There's questions that are asked that comes with this. First of all, who are the elders and what this thing about the oil thing? I mean, is this oil from AutoZone? <laughs> what is this oil thing? Well, let's go for the question of who are the elders. Well, obviously, it has to do something with old. <laughs> but more than that, it's about mature. It means more than just the elderly. In the history of the elders, it went back to Moses. You remember Moses and we got some men to, together to help him uh, take care of decisions and, and uh, uh, rule over and make decisions for the children of Israel. So they were older men who were respected by the community to help make decisions for the good of the community. And over time, the elders, as well as the high priests and the priests and the Pharisees, they digressed to a place that wasn't good. In fact, they came so far away from what God intended that, that they were the strongest opponents to Jesus Christ. And they were the one that stirred the crowd. They're the ones that put Jesus on the cross. Religion does that. This Bible to have a, is about a relationship to God, not religion, my friend. You can be a member of every church in Ventura County and still die without Jesus Christ and miss heaven. It's about relationship through what Jesus Christ offers in him and only. He said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but through him, Jesus Christ. So then we move to the New Testament. Elders are found in the New Testament around about 20 times. Now, I'm going to give you a, sum, a summarize of this by John Piper. He says it so well, and, it, and he does the best job uh, of summarizing it more than I could say it. John Piper summarized the biblical use of the term elder, pastor, and overseer. The New Testament only refers to the office of pastor one time in Ephesians 4.11. Is it a functional description of the role of elder stressing the care and feeding of the church as God's flock, just as bishop and overseer is a functional description of the role of elder stressing the governing or oversight of the church? We may conclude, therefore, that the pastor and elder, bishop and overseer, refer in the New Testament to the same office. Now, this office stands alongside with another group that is mentioned in the New Testament, New Testament churches, the, the, the group of deacons. And so there is a valid position for the deacons and elder pastors as, as well instituted in the New Testament for the health of the local church. So to make it very clear, an elder is a pastor, and a pastor is an elder. That's, that make it very clear. So when a person is seriously sick, he calls out to the elders, the pastors, for prayer over the sick and anoints with oil. I don't have time to go into this a lot, but I'm just going to make two, two comments, two different interpretations. One, first of all, many of you know what essential oils are. Well, essential oils are for medicinal purpose. And back then, at this time and during this day, they were big on this. Olive oil was used for everything. In fact, when you find in, in Luke chapter, I think it's chapter 10, when the good Samaritan is rescuing that person who's been beat up, the Bible says he puts oil and wine upon him to wrap his, his hurts, his wounds. So it was for medicinal purpose. And they recognized that when he said, okay, oil. So we could say that, yeah, the best medical treatment that you can give a person, yes, let's bring that and put that on him. But also, in, in a more spiritual sense, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Emphasize is in on the power of prayer. And it's not the oil. The oil is, is, is just, a, you know, it could be olive oil. It could be, oh my goodness. I'm going to get in trouble here, but I'm going to go on a big limb here. My wife is, has essential oils, and, and sometimes um, our, our room will smell like eucalypts, and, and sometimes it's, it smells like, uh, you know, uh, flowers, and, and you know what I'm talking about. It's not the oil that does the power. It's the prayer. It's the prayer to whom? That we invite and we link God to that situation through prayer. And then he says, in the name of the Lord. 
You see, God is the healer. It's not the person. There's no magic on that person. It is God who does the healing. We pray in the name of the Lord. It represents the character of the Lord. So to improve our prayer life, remember to make the first move in prayer, the first initiative. Don't, prayer is not to be passive. Prayer is, is, the prayer is to be aggressive. When you, when you hear something and going on in your life, or so, we're to get right in there, and we're to have aggressive and even bold prayer to bring that answer to, to God to come into that situation. And it says in verse 15, and, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he commits sins, he will be forgiven. Let me give you number three, how to improve our prayer life. Believe by faith that God will do amazing things through prayer. Our faith, what God can do, is linked to our appreciation of prayer. Faith, however much faith, you may have weak faith, and then I would say that well, you probably, probably have a, a weak prayer life. But if you know that God can work and you have a belief and trust in God that your prayer life can be off the chart because of your faith in God, what he can do. Over the years, this church has seen many amazing things happen. I can't wait to get to heaven to hear about this. You know, this church started almost 50 years ago. So it has 50 years of history that I can't wait to read how God worked and moved through prayer in a miraculous way. I can't wait for that to happen. But on, this, on the other hand, we pray for people, and the Lord's taking them on home. And I don't understand all that, how that comes together. But we humbly accept the will of the Lord in that matter. That God has a plan for healing for his children is all a matter of timing according to his will. And we know that as a child of God, we will be healed. We will. We know for sure that's what God's word says. We'll have a glorious body just like the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that's true. You know, my grandfather, when I was about 10 years old or something like age of like Ryan or these young men, he came down with stomach cancer. And I remember him laying on our couch and he was there and he'd be, you know, he just went down, down in his health and pain continued to rise. Finally, they had to put him in the hospital and they passed away there in the hospital. And we certainly prayed for healing for him. We had a whole church praying. We believe. And I don't know. God saw fit to take him home, and that was the will of God for him at that moment. At the same time, you know, we've had times where, you know, my wife had breast cancer, and I mean, there was something that just, you know, rocked our boats. You, you, many of you understand that. You've gone through things like this. And we prayed, and the doctors did surgery, and I think, today she's cancer-free, and we praise God for that. When you go through a serious sickness, we should first pray. We're calling for the elders to pray over the sick person, anoint with oil. And we'll trust God. God will do his work as he sees fit. I believe that's scriptural. A biblical example of the power of prayer, James closes. Let's read this verse again. Therefore, confess your sins to one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous power person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Now, let me stop here and say this is the one of the points that I want to bring out is that Elijah was just a man like you and I. He wasn't. He didn't have something that we don't have. If you have God, you have the same God you have the same God who has the same power and the same ability to do what happened in Elijah's life as it can happen in our life as well. So as a man of a nature with like ours, 
And the Bible says he prayed fervently that he might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. You see, Elijah prayed, and he knew because God told him what the outcome was going to be. And so Elijah, when he prayed, this, this wasn't an event that was created by Elijah. It was created by God and therefore performed its completion. Now, this is powerful. I appreciate Joe's prayer again. I go back to it because it, it just tacks this right in with what he said. It's, it's that when we know God's promises, or God has spoken to us about a specific situation, gives us a specific promise to us, we can go forward in bold prayer as we know this is God's will. And that's why it's important to know God's word, to know the 600 promises that are in the Bible, to grab those and then take those promises and put them in our prayers and powerful things, because you are praying according to God's will when we do that. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Bow our heads in prayer as we close out this message. I don't, however God has responded or has talked to you about this, however the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond, be willing to open up your heart and mind's to his word, to his will. There is a prayer that God wants everyone to ask for his help. The reason this prayer is mentioned for everyone because we all have this great need. My friend, it's simply this. When we were born, we were born far from God. We were born as a sinner. And then when we look at ourselves and we look at a holy God, there's great distance as far as the east and west. But God performed something special, a miraculously, a supernatural event. Something that's never happened before and will never have to happen again is that God the Father sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for our sins upon the cross. That the blood, the precious, the holy blood of Jesus Christ could completely cover our sin. And we can become born again as a righteous child of God. Having all our sins forgiven, both past, present, and future. That's the mercy and the grace of God through His salvation. He invites us to pray. It's offered through Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans, for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I say this, my friend, because if you've never called upon the Lord Jesus to save you, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. It has to come from your heart. But if you will pray, if you'll reach out to God and ask Him, He will help you become a child of God. He will even give you the faith to do that. Just in the quietness of this time in your heart between you and God, and God knows how you are praying, He hears you. Say in your heart, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I am a sinner that I stand in the need of your grace and mercy. And today, right now, God, I ask you to come in. To forgive me of all my sins, my past, my present, my future. Now we born into the family of God because of what Christ has done on the cross. I call upon the name of the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And I ask you to save me. And when I die, I know that heaven will be my home. Not because of what I've done, but what Christ has done. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear about that. We have some tools to help you grow in your relationship with God. You can write that on a connection card, drop it in a box, or come up and tell us. We'd love to hear about that. I'm going to ask you to stand as we sing one more song. If there could be anything that we can do for you to help you, pray for you, please let us know. We're here for you. And we certainly would love to pray with you because we believe in the power of prayer. Let's sing this last song. Great, great song.